0: at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
1: Hello and welcome to an August edition of the True Blue LA podcast. I'm Jacob Birch. Eric Steven. We're here to talk about the Dodgers finally near the near the end of this sort of uh, this deaf stretch of the of the schedule.
2: Yeah, uh, well, it's sort of a, the the fact that they got a day off on Monday makes yeah. it sort of a, <laughs> makes it seem like that, but then they're after like a 17 game stretch. They're they're like playing the A's tonight, who yeah. are like the hottest team in baseball, and then. And then they play the Rockies who have like somehow like crept back into contention in the NLS. So that's
1: everything. Yeah. This like this, this seems like the, I am going to, I'm going to embarrass myself because I don't know what the, there's, there's a word for the end of dinner, a moosh And I I forget what it is. So that's what this A series kind of feels like. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. uh,
2: No, I was going to say, yeah, this schedule is the, um. You know, it's not unforgiven, but it's unforgiving, I think. So, or, I, I was going to. Uh, you're gonna trying strip. to get a Clint Eastwood joke in there. And you no, just I, didn't. I was actually going to conflate two Morgan Freeman things, but I'll, I declined. To okay. Do it, so,
1: so yeah. all things told, as of right now, this second as recording, the Dodgers are behind half a game on the Diamondbacks. But that may change in, you know, just an hour or two. I, I think if you had said, you know, you're going to come out of this tied the Diamondbacks losing, I forget where they were when they started, either half a game or a game ahead, I think you'd be pretty okay with it.
2: Things, as they say, are fluid. Yeah. Uh, the Dodgers are playing the A's, the uh, Diamondbacks are playing the Phillies, who are the NLS leaders at the moment, so um, yeah, like, they um, they just played, um, like we said, the 17th game, so just to recap, it was um, uh, Brewers um Phillies, uh, oh yeah, Brewers, Phillies, Braves, and then Brewers, Brewers. back home, <laughs> and then Astros. <laughs> like, so, and so uh, it was seventeen games, and the Dodgers went nine and eight. Uh, all all those teams are uh, actually wait. Uh, Oh yeah, all those teams are in playoff position right now. Like I said, the Dodgers are actually on the outside looking in. And I think with
1: um, one game accepting, uh, you, you know, a lot of comp- either competitive games or blowouts in the Dodgers' favor, which was nice yeah. to see. We'll we'll, we'll we'll ignore a certain game against the Astros. Uh-huh. Uh, not so much. Yeah.
2: Well, and like you said, like so last week, we'll, we'll, we'll just to briefly touch on it. Like uh, last week was super weird because, um, like, so the Dodgers had. Uh, one game against the Brewers, the final game of that series, where they just exploded. It was uh, uh, 21 to five, uh, and so like that's that's crazy. Like they've they've only scored 20 in a game twice since moving to LA. I mean that that was the second time, and the, the one the one game that scored ahead of that was 22, and that was at Coors Field. So it's basically the best game they've had in L, uh, since moving to LA, um, and it the, the most runs scored at Dodger Stadium. And then two nights later, they lost the Conquer to the Astros, fourteen and nothing. So it's like, <laughs> like it's crazy. But then, like also with that twenty-one run uh, game, even with that, like they they were only averaging like two runs a game last week outside of that in the other six games. So it's been a weird, like offense. Uh, you know, kind of lots of downs, some ups. But then, like uh, we'll get to it a little later. But yeah, it's just just super super sort of weird.
1: Well, let's, let's just dive into that right now uh, like we had uh, Brian Dozier comes over he's been looking pretty good the Dodgers had that one night but as you mentioned the offense I think the pitching has looked pretty good but the offense oh, again that's out of certain games um, but the offense certainly has sore spots uh, it's not the most even lineup right now can you go in, into a little bit of the of those slumps I know we had a question I'll, I'll phrase it In the form of a Twitter question, Richard wants to know, did Max Muncy and Matt Kipp forget how to baseball?
2: I mean, for a little bit, yes. I mean, like, uh, so they, uh, those are like the two big ones at the moment, uh, just stuff-wise. So Muncy, he's not in the lineup Tuesday night. The Dodgers are facing two lefties with the A's, including old friend Brett Anderson on Wednesday. But um, uh, So Muncy not starting uh, Tuesday. Uh, he's he's four for his last 41. Uh, he ended last week with seven consecutive strikeouts. So, like, uh, since the break, 179, uh, 266, 393. Uh, so the main, like, it's basically like, uh, I think Dustin uh, Nosler wrote an article on Dodgers Digest about this, about, about Muncie's plate discipline, like, before and after the break. I looked it up uh, a little, some numbers. Um, like, the main thing is... Uh, so he has a 7.8% walk rate, which is, like, below average but relatively normal. This is after the break. Before the break, he was 18.6. Like, he, he still leads the Dodgers in home runs and walks on the season. So he's been, you know, really good. His strikeout rate since the alter break is over, just over 40%, which is ridiculously high. Um, but the main reason for that is he's swinging at pitches outside of the zone. Um, he... Uh, what was it before the before the break he swung at just under 20% of swing or of balls outside of the zone now it's like 31% since the break so he's just he's chasing a lot and that's really hurting him uh, another sort of small thing is so before the break he got first pitch strikes on like 58% of his pitches so he was getting a lot of pitches to hit there uh since then it's like down to 44% it's not a huge difference but it's relatively and like he was, he's eight for eighteen with five home runs when he decides to like when he puts the ball in play on the first pitch. So he does some damage there. Uh, he hasn't had as many opportunities to do it, and he's chasing a lot more. So that's one of the uh, problems. Uh, Matt Kemp is another. Uh, I didn't see his last at bat, but his through his first two plate appearances tonight, he's he's one for his last thirty six. Um, if there's no real um, super like underlying reason that I could find, you know, other than just you know, he, he's not striking out a ton. Uh, he has he's walked like five times during that stretch not a ton, but like, he's not um, his strikeout rate's not huge um, He uh, a big thing earlier in the year was how well he was hitting fastballs and getting a lot. Before the break, he was getting just under 50% fastballs. Since the break it's like 46%. That's not a huge difference so it's not like they're pitching him too much differently. I think he's just going through a slump um, so I don't know what to make of that. I, w- I wanted to throw another player on here because, uh, Chris Taylor, um, mm. cause he's had sort of a weird, um, thing. Like he struck out 40 times in July and like on its face that, it, I mean, if you think about the it, six month season, so that's 240 strikeouts for the year, which is nuts. Uh, and so it set a Dodger record. Cody Bellinger did it once last year too. Bellinger had a productive month in July or when he did it last year, Taylor had a relatively productive month, um, uh, he, I mean, relatively, I mean, but he had like a David Young, I didn't include this in our notes, David Young, a site member, friend of the show, uh, he had a high uh, uh, BABIP, uh, 397 in July. When I looked it up, like, he, he had like 32% line drive rate, uh, it was like all, t- almost tied for his, his highest of the highest month of the year. He had a 50% hard hit rate for fan in the month, and that was his best month of the year, so... Dave's question was basically, like, can Chris Healer be productive with that kind of a strikeout rate? And it's like, I think he can. But, like, you know, obviously you want it to cut down. But, like, if you look at it, um, his, his K rate in July was 35%. On the year, it's like 28%. He just strikes out a lot. That's his thing. So it's not too differently. Um, and I looked at his, like, sort of same with Muncie, like, uh, swinging inside zone. outside would say that his are relatively stable before and after the break. So I don't think there's any, like, major changes um but yeah those are like sort of the three slumping guys um but i i mean i mean we'll get to this a little later but like they have sort of the depth especially with the dozier trade to sort of um sit a guy if you have to and and since they have so many people to work in
1: we can talk about that now um we've got two questions sort of concerning the depths and the lineups plans uh so let's oswaldo wants to know what do you think of the constant changes to lineup and batting order? This is, I think, a question that comes up a lot. All the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when they're, you keep the same lineup and there's a little bit of a struggle, why aren't they changing things up? When you're yeah. changing things up a lot and there's a little bit of a struggle, why are you changing th- so many things? Um, what, what are you, And sometimes and sometimes that has merit. That was a big, I think, valid complaint of Don Mattingly sometimes. And sometimes it was a completely invalid um, complaint. Where do you think we are with that now?
2: Well, it's one of those things, too, like, um, it, it kind of depends on the roster, too. <laughs> like, And, and what
1: changes say. you're making, I think.
2: Right. And, like, generally, like, I, I would say of all the things, like, on a daily basis that, that gets complained about, a proportion, or at like, a disproportional rate to its actual value is, like, his lineup construction. And um, my basic thing is, like, are the right eight guys starting? And it changes, like, you know, uh, they're, like and I I don't really care about the order so much as it's who's starting it. And even then like guys get rest and the game's different, like than it was when I was growing up or even like maybe when you were growing up too, Um, there's not a lot of uh, guys playing like literally every single day anymore. They like teams work rest in Dodgers are like, especially like ardent in this. Uh, They try to do it, um, you know, give guys rest. And I don't know. I mean, it's just the way the the game is sort of moving in that direction. And so I just think that's where we're at. And also like um, what, uh, when when Dozier was acquired, uh, Dave Roberts said basically like, um, you know, he's, he's going to start like against lefties and then, you know, he'll get some days off against righties and and things like that. So he he clearly like outlined, like he's, he's not going to play like a hundred percent of the time. He's going to, he's going to get some time off and then, like, literally, he, he hit home runs in his first two games with the Dodgers. And then he sat the next day against a righty. And, every, like, I had so many people, like, why isn't Dozier in there? This is classic Roberts. You're an idiot. It's like, well, no, like, this is how it's going to happen. Um, so the, I, looked, I looked at this. So the first thing about the constant change is, like, the Dodgers, um, if you go on baseball reference, you can look at their lineups. I didn't look at the batting order. That, that like I said, not, I'm not concerned at all about that. Um, but they're just different lineups, like different groupings of eight position players. Um, there are 85 different lineups through 113 games. So they're on pace for 122. That's a pretty high number. Yeah. They, they had 110 last year, um, at, which was which was high for them. And uh, But then you look at the Astros, the world champion Astros had 112. So the year before, the Dodgers had 93 different lineups, and the world champion Cubs had 101. So like I don't, This is not a. This is just the way the game is now. Uh, look at this year. So the Dodgers 85 lineups. Um, look look at the five NL playoff teams uh, at the moment. The Dodgers are like I said outside looking in starting Tuesday. Diamondbacks 92 lineups. That's more. Brewers 104. I think that leads. I didn't check every single team, but just the playoff teams for now. The Cubs 70, pretty low. The Phillies and Braves are at the opposite end of the spectrum. They have 55 lineups and Braves only 47. So, you know, it's a wide range, but like there's a lot of teams employing different lineups and having success. So I don't think it's a I don't think it's an issue, really. And it's it's something they preach. Um, And look, if you look at the way this roster is right now, the Dodgers, like outside of Austin Barnes, they have like basically 10. And if you count Kike, especially against lefties, maybe not against righties, they have at a minimum 10 players who deserve to start every day and maybe 11 if you count Kike. So uh, I'll just give you a quote from Roberts last week because this just sort of sums it up. Uh, Quoting Roberts here, uh, we have a deep bench, and if they're not starting, or they're not starting, but that doesn't mean they're not going to contribute at some point in the game. That's the message to anyone that's sitting that particular day. They they all want to be in there, and they all have their own right, uh, in their own right, have a case to be in the lineup that night. But there are only eight positions in the lineup. So, I mean, that's basically what they're at. They have, you know, Ten plus guys uh, who, who need to start, and they have eight spots in the lineup. So it's just an issue, and they're, they're working it out. And it's like if you're, you're like if you're struggling, you're probably going to get extra time. Like uh, they're probably more likely to rest guys with injuries. Um, Yasiel you know, so Puig had a little oblique thing; he missed a couple days. He's back in the lineup tonight. Muncy's struggling, so he said, "Well, he's it's a lefty tonight, so he was probably going to sit uh, in some of the cases anyway." So but that's just where they're at. I mean I don't really necessarily see it as an issue. It's something they've done in the last at least three years, um, especially with a deep roster and it's worked. so I don't think it's an issue.
1: Yeah, I think when this gets complained about a lot of times the actual complaint is either that you are starting at someone who has Worn out the welcome of like, sometimes you have to write out the slumps, and, but sometimes it just shown you that they don't have it. Or there's someone hot that you're not starting. And I think last week, the sort of concrete example I saw was, why aren't we starting Dojo every day? Or why are we still running Max Muncie out there? And both of which seem kind of very small sample size, short-sighted kind of um, not quite there. And maybe Max Muncy is getting there. I, I don't know. Specifically, yeah. we have a question uh, from Rasball. uh th- Sort of a question. Muncie's PT now, so playing, What is Muncie's playing time going forward?
2: I mean, he's just in the mix. Like, yeah, he, he's gonna. He'll, he might sit more against lefties. They didn't really have much of a platoon split, and plus they they needed him, so he was starting almost every day before. Uh, I would imagine now with Dozier, uh, it's less of an opportunity for him to play second. So um, he'll he's gonna play against righties mostly, um, but he'll he's gonna get playing time still, and they're they're just gonna everyone's gonna rotate. Um, So uh, he he's just and like we've talked about this like all year too like you know is Max Muncy really a thousand OPS guy you know like he's down to like nine forty I think right now um, so it's like you know he's still all due respect playing above his skis in my opinion um, so there there is room for a correction here but like he could still be a productive player like he's shown great plate discipline and great power. And you could still be a productive player doing that, even if he's um, not hitting as well as he was. So, but he's going to get, he's going to get spots for sure, uh, starts for sure. So, uh, unless, you know, unless he slumps, and he won't. But I, I think, um, yeah, I think he's still going to play. And then just about the other thing too, like, look, there, there's always guys you're, you're gonna. It looks like uh, they're playing too long. Like Forsythe got a really long leash, didn't work out. He, had, but he got traded for for Dozier. Um, But, like, he had started only something like eight of the previous, like, 26 games. So he was basically relegated to a part-time status or, you know, like a a bench player at that point. So at at some point, they finally did pull the plug. But, yeah, it it took a while. Um, And some guys, like, um, you know, you might think, like, why aren't they starting? But then on the other case, it's like Jock Peterson. Like, they showed extraordinary patience. I know they sent him down last year. But there was, like, no guarantee that he was going to make the team this year. And they showed extraordinary patience, and he's having a really good year. So sometimes it works out. That's why they show the patience in this, because they're not – these aren't willy-nilly, like, decisions, you know. Um, the, they see the, what the player's working on, like, in, like, batting practice. They have um, a lot more sophisticated data that's available publicly, like, on, like, batted ball things. And it's more than, like, stat cast stuff. Um they, if a guy's like hitting the ball hard and he's just getting unlucky or something, or, but if also if a guy's in a club like Muncie, I'm sure he's working on things and it's just a matter of like a feel that day or uh, how he's progressing so uh, I don't think these are decisions made in the vacuum and so, you know, it, it's, a, it's, it's a tough call because like I said, some guys works out some guys it doesn't, but I mean that's welcome to being a manager, right? Like that's that's part of the decisions you have to make and no one you're always, that's like one of the things like it's hard. You'd be hard pressed to find a team's fan base that doesn't like complain about their manager, uh, somehow like lineup wise, or probably bullpen wise or something like that.
1: On the other side of things, uh, talking about the pitching a little bit l- less sort of complaints or concerns there since we all kind of know it's Kenley and then a bunch of pretty good to medium, uh, But I think the news there is how many guys are still on the disabled list and may be able to come help the Dodgers for the stretch run. Uh, So I have a list from Roscoe who specifically wants to know about Ryu, Santana, Stripling, Goodell, Fields, and Sangrani. Um, And I don't know. Maybe there's even more names that we're missing.
2: Yeah, I added a couple names to this, like just making my own notes uh, for this. But just Ryu is the freshest in the mind in that – uh, he he's on his like sort of rehab assignment. He made his second rehab start tonight. Uh, he was in Class A last Thursday, four scoreless. It looked pretty sharp. I think Roberts said he threw like 91, which is where we use generally at, maybe a little higher. But for his first rehab start, that was pretty good, and uh, he was super sharp. And then tonight, he went to, to Reno with A, Oklahoma City, so he's sort of progressing. Uh, I think five innings, one run was what I saw, three strikeouts and. You know, By all accounts, he was sort of getting into a groove. So he's, like, all along, Dave Roberts has said he's going to need, like, four or five rehab starts. If you look at it, the 30 days, it, his 30 days are up um, conveniently on August 31st. Uh, it, like, if he goes to the maximum rehab assignment, so he could just be activated September 1st. Uh, but, like, it could be the way he's pitching, like, they, you could see them, like, possibly activating him a little before that, um, just because he, he's, he's you know, I I'd consider him in contention to start in the playoffs, um, even as good as some of the other guys are pitching. Um, so, you know, if he's, we're on August, August 7th right now. So if he has, let's give him the maximum, or not maximum, but just give him three more rehab starts. That puts him at, like, at least the 22nd. So then he's probably wouldn't wouldn't get activated until the, the five days after that. So at least twenty-seven. Factor in a few off days. So again, it's probably looking like September first, uh, roughly for him. That's what I would guess. Maybe a week before, at at best. Um, you know, Ross Stripling, uh, he's going to start one of the games in Colorado. He, this was like, uh, you never want to say it's not a fake injury. You know, I, I want to couch this in that, but it's it's a a. Um, it's a use of the disabled list for for roster manipulation i think it's why he went on the disabled list more than anything He had, well, i think they called it toe inflammation and so he i think he's going to be the minimum 10 days he's going to go thursday probably in colorado um maybe i guess it could be friday but uh it's looking like thursday so he's basically back um alex wood um, went on the dl on sunday he was the last starter for like main starter to not get the DL this year, so that was sort of a plan thing, I think. Uh, he he um, had a start on Saturday, uh, I guess Friday, where he went um, he went six innings. He was actually going to go out to pitch the seventh because Justin Verlander, who was dominant that night, uh, was still in the game and he was going to bat, and so they were going to have Wood face Verlander for one batter only in the seventh, and they come out. But he felt something in his hamstring. So uh, they they pulled him during warmups of the seventh. So at the time you're like, why are they doing this? Seems weird. But so uh, they said technically he has adductor tendonitis, which is hamstring region, not quite the hamstring, but it's all like in that basically cramping in his leg. <laughs> so it sounds, you know, it sounds fake. But I don't. I think it's legit. But he's probably a minimum ten days guy. Um, the one other like sort of, you know, if we're talking about like bullpen help. That, that wasn't on the list was Julio Urias. Uh, he's pitched a couple times for the Arizona league. He's basically going to be a multi inning reliever this year. I mean, long term, he's still a starter, uh, but he's still in the Arizona league. Uh, his rehab started on the 30th of July. So the earliest he or the latest he could be activated or they have to make a decision would be August 29th. So, you know, you can see him sort of progressing and if things go well, he could be up by the, the last part of August to sort of get ready for the playoffs and, and be a member of that bullpen. As far as the other sort of bullpen guys, like Eric Goodell, he's probably a minimum 10-day guy. He went on the – so last week they activated um, Turner Thursday and John Axford joined the team Friday. So they had to make two moves. Uh, we talked about this last week about what how, who do exactly do they send down uh, for Turner, and it ended up being Chase Utley was on the deal. But the story behind that was so it was Thursday before the game – they hadn't yet made the move uh, to activate the corresponding move for Turner. And Gabe Roberts was saying we're we're between a a position player and a reliever and sort of deciding who's gonna go on the deal because they were, you know, their candidates. And then he said, Well, are, is the other if, is the other person gonna probably be the move for Axford? He was kind of noncommittal, but basically at yes, and he said after the game, yes. But, like, Eric Adell, he pitched that Thursday and then went on the DL the next day. So, like, they were considering putting him on the DL, but then he was still good enough to pitch that night, and then he still pitched. So, he, I think it's more of a minor rest rest type thing for him. So, he's probably minimum 10 days. Tony Singrani got a Corazon sh- shot um, uh, last week. He's still, like, up in the air. I have really no idea with him. Josh Fields, not quite sure what he's doing. He could be on a uh, – you know resting him now using him later type of a thing not not really sure of an update on him dennis santana he's throwing again he tweeted out something where he was at um uh camelback ranch uh, like a week ago uh starting a throwing program he can't expect anything from him this year so i don't i don't think um i don't expect much for him
1: okay so dennis santana world series hero yeah it in anytime you get too certain about something i get excited so
2: right well I, like you I said you know i've you know, been trying to like downplay urias this year and but they're ah, showing, like, they, nice every little. time they talk about it like oh he's throwing 94 in the air is all right like time to get excited again <laughs> let's let's have him hit an affiliate first before we um, ramp that up a little bit
1: oh uh, one last oh. In- injury yeah. note I'll, um not gonna, not a factor this season. But let's talk about our uh, cyborg shortstop.
2: That's right. Yeah. So uh, I, he hasn't quite hit arbitration yet, so he's not quite the six million dollar man yet. But uh, <laughs> Corey Seager uh, already out for the year after having Tommy John surgery. He had hip surgery, I think, today in New York, um, and it was one of those things. I heard uh, Roberts pregame today. Um, you know basically the bottom line is just the timetable is basically the same. He's not going to do like any baseball activities until January, which was roughly when he was probably going to do it anyway. You know, they say he's ready for spring training. You probably have to factor in like they're going to take it slow. So, you know, to say he's going to be ready for opening day might be a stretch, but I mean, I would imagine relatively soon after that, you know, could be ready for opening day, but I wouldn't bet on it. Um, But yeah, so they basically waited for, the the healing part of his sort of rehab for the elbow to 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 start or I mean to, to finish up before they did another operation which is what they did are doing with the hip uh, so he injured he sort of tweaked his hip on a play in April I believe on a throw I think um, I can't remember exactly the circumstances but um, this was what sort of that that is cleaning up uh, it was arthroscopic surgery so we'll see but yeah it, you know anytime surgery is not ever good like but you know under the circumstances it doesn't change much like um he's still like sort of the same timetable which is basically hopefully opening day next year but certainly the first third of the season
1: a couple other small notes before we uh, start to wrap things up uh first you just want to talk a little bit about some minor league promotions going on in the the dodger system
2: Oh, yeah. So last week was a little, little bit of moving day. Part of it was related to, I mean, well, I'm, I think these guys are going to move anyway, but it just worked out with the timing. Of the, the, of, a lot of the Dodgers trades, like the, the team in A Tulsa, got hit the hardest in terms of, like, prospects loss. So, um, but, yeah, so last week, um, Gavin Lux, uh, the Dodgers' former first-round pick shortstop, got promoted, and also Dustin May, uh, a pitcher who has fiery red hair, who um who like leads the Dodgers minors in strikeouts this year, he's been really good it was for Rancho. Um they both got promoted to Tulsa and then Wolf Smith, who was in Tulsa, uh got promoted to Triple A. So the thing with that is uh not just for Will Smith, but it like frees up more catching um chances for uh Bear Ruiz in um in Tulsa. So that's good because they were sort of uh, they were maneuvering like uh, Ruiz would DH sometimes. Smith would play third sometimes. Uh, so they were already maneuvering a little bit, but um, that frees up catcher a little more for Ruiz, and then Will Smith gets a chance at um, AAA. Lux has done the best so far. I think he has he has a hit in all five games. He's like eight for 20. I think he homered in his first game. Uh, Will Smith struggled so far. He's only played three games. He's 0 for 11 with a walk. Um, Dustin May? Uh, oh yeah, he got... Uh, I think he got hit around a little bit. I think he gave up four or five runs in his first night. Start. He's starting tomorrow. So, but I mean, look, it's one start, whatever. I think he's going to be fine. But so the, those are just three sort of, um, you know, relatively highly ranked. I mean, I would imagine in the Dodgers system, I think given like the promotions, I think those guys are all top five um, and um, they're, they're, they all advance a little. So that's, that's a good thing.
1: And the uh, last note before we do some questions from Craig. Uh, for those lucky enough to have Sportsnet LA, so I have I being in Kansas City, I can watch Dodgers whenever I want, but I can't watch any of the the fine extra programming. So this is out of my purview. But uh, the documentary on the 1988 team uh, is going on, and have you have you seen it yet? Did you go to a preview for this?
2: No, uh, the the one I saw. So it's it's the 30th anniversary of the 88 team, and. Boy, is it a busy year for documentaries on that team, and I'm not complaining at all because it's <laughs> my favorite team of all time. When I was 12; it was wheel, wheelhouse stuff for me. Um, but yeah, so um, MLB Network was the one I saw a little bit ahead of time. That one's already aired. Um, that was a good. It was only like a half, or I think it's half hour, maybe 40. I forget. No, it's about 45 minutes. Or I mean, it was it was a, it was stretched over an hour, but yeah. Um, Sportsnet LA is doing a three-part documentary. Um, they're calling it Dodger-mentry. Frankly, this is their, like, fifth year of existence. They they should have been doing a lot of these, like, already. Like, I'm not, you know, but look, they're, they're barely on TV. So, I understand that maybe they didn't want to pour the production into it. Whatever. But, no, this looks like a really good thing. I haven't seen any of it at all. Um, but it's a three-part thing, I think. Um... First episode's wednesday and then i think it's over the next few weeks that they're going to air it and then fox sports one is doing another documentary on the 88 world series or 88 team um and i think they're airing that on october 10th like sort of during the playoffs so that'll be interesting um yeah so it's a busy busy time i do i have no information on the on the sports nla one but i am looking forward to watching it but and unfortunately like you mentioned if you don't have sports in L.A., it's kind of rough because it's not going to be anywhere else. But if you have it, it's something worth watching, I'm sure.
1: Ready for some questions from Craig? Yep. All right, so we've got five questions. One is just for you. First question. Which film series do you enjoy more, Mission Impossible or The Bourne films? Or do you have a different action-adventure film franchise, uh, excluding all the comic book ones? That That excludes most of mine. I have seen... One of the fast and the furious movies, I think three of the Mission impossibles and only one of the born um not not that I'm opposed just to them like i every I think I've enjoyed every one I've seen just yeah. they're not my not not my biggest draw.
2: The borns are pretty good um I think i I was so surprised when the first one came out because like Matt Damon action star that's weird, but then like it's same thing with like liam Neeson like um old old ass kicker you know basically that kind of a thing like with the, with taken uh but yeah I, I still haven't seen the last two mission impossibles although i'll probably see mission the new mission Impossible at some point uh, this week but um that seems to have a better hit rate for me than the borns so i would probably go with that um i can't think of it like another franchise or whatever that that comes to mind that i like more i i'm not like i said not really into the comic book movies for the most part uh so i don't those don't really have those there to compete but yeah so i i probably would take the mission impossible Born.
1: yeah and i'm i'm just including star wars stuff comic yeah. book stuff because that that's that is much more my wheelhouse yeah. two is a simple one uh headphones Corded wireless earphones, earbuds. What are we using? You and I both have over-the-ear studio headphones for for this, but you know, if you're just walking on the street, what do you want to use?
2: Yeah, like these are. This is. Oh yeah, like I said, over the ear, over the ear, uh, corded for this. But uh, over the in the last like six months or so, I finally uh, broke down and and bought a pair of um, wireless uh, earbuds or headphones. I guess over like just the. They're not they're better than earbuds basically, but, um, they're wireless. Uh, and it was, it's great. Like, <laughs> uh, if I go like, I, so there's no question it's that it's wireless over any day. Um, but yeah, so like go out walking or doing whatever. Uh, I could just have that in the ear, have the phone in the pocket. I don't like, I don't have to worry about, do I have enough cord? To, if I move my head, it's going to yank the, the, the earphones out. Um, don't have to worry about that at all. Uh, the sound is great. Uh, I did learn um, uh, when I drove to call I drove to Colorado with my aunt and uncle, and I flew back, and that's a long drive. And like, I I, I wasn't quite sure how much battery power, or I mean, uh, how much like you know, uh, battery life this had. Um, but yeah, it ran out pretty quickly, so I had to like uh, find a way to charge it. But it was like a it was like a game of like uh, trying to like. Uh, Do I have enough juice to listen to another podcast? But yeah, no, they've been great. I love them. Uh, So clearly, uh, wireless for me.
1: Uh, Yeah, I was wired only just because uh, every pair of wireless headphones I tried, I did not like. Either the battery life wasn't enough or the connectivity was really bad. Finally got a pair. I have a pair of Beats X, which work really, really well. I'm very, very happy with them. And it doesn't sound like it would make that big of a difference when you start using them. Like, oh, you know, my cord's long enough, it's fine, but... I am a a big fan and a convert. So unless I'm doing something super high fidelity where I really need to hear super crystal clear, where I might still go with the corded um, wireless all the way. And earbuds.
2: Do you ever download um, the movie High Fidelity and then just listen to it? The third question. um, So
1: we screwed this up last time, so Craig's giving us another chance. Currently, five Dodgers have uh, uh, three. He's burying the lead here. Uh, I'll just read his question. Hopefully it makes sense. Um, five Dodgers, Grandall, Bellinger, Kemp, Peterson, and Hernandez are, less, uh, have, are three or less home runs away from joining Muncie with 20 or more home runs. Justin Turner has six. Will Turner get hit four more, so 10, before two more Dodgers get the 20? Yes. Uh, I say no, but barely. I think Grandall and Bellinger both get the 20. Uh, before Turner gets to 10, but it'll be close. I, I have full faith in Justin Turner. All right. So since 2006, um, only once did the Dodgers fail to have at least five hitters with 20 more doubles. That was in 2011. Uh, currently, the Dodgers have three. That's Chris Taylor, Cody Bellinger, and Jock Peterson. Uh, six would seem pretty doable in 2018. Can they do more than that? So to break this down, after that, you have Matt Kemp with 19, Yasio Puig with 18, and Yasmani Grandal with 16. Those all seem like locks.
2: Yeah, and then so and the seventh would be Max Muncy. Uh, yeah, so he's at 13. I was thinking he's he's for sure doable, uh, but it comes back to what we're talking about. Like, unless he somehow just completely like loses playing time and doesn't do it, but I, I think he's doable for sure. Uh, the the dark cards for me is is uh, Justin Turner again he's at nine. He, 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 hit his ninth tonight. Uh, so he needs 11 more in 48 games. That's a 36 double pace, uh, over the, over the full year. That's a pretty hefty pace, but like, I think it's doable, especially if he gets hot. So he's sort of the round, like, uh, the underdog for me there, but I, I kind of like his chances.
1: I will go barely. Yes. Just, I think because of Muncie or Turner, but who knows? Like the fact that once it's, once we get to september some like uh, you get the september call-ups playing time gets even more mixed around than it is now it'll be interesting to see but i i think one of them will pull it out yeah all right you ready for your trivia question
2: yeah and i'm gonna do i'm gonna just word word of warning i'm gonna do terribly at this well
1: i i it's, I, I do appreciate that craig generally knows when to a- only ask you these trivia questions because uh, mm-hmm. i would have gotten i might have guessed one correctly Uh, and that's the the fifth one so what we're doing is middle names baseball player middle names craig says that one thing he loved about baseball cards were that they included their middle names going back to eric's wheelhouse so cards uh and we'll stick to hall of famers who played in the mid 80s to early aughts so that's your wheelhouse eric give the correct middle name for the following and uh, he texted me the answers and uh Craig notes that Don Russ was the best for always showing the middle names.
2: They they did. They had a lot of info in that little, in like the bio area plus the, the full name.
1: So I'm going to give you a shot at a guess, uh, and if you're wrong, I will give you the middle initial and give you a second guess. Otherwise, we'll move on. Sound good? Yeah. Yep. Ricky Henderson.
2: Okay. So uh, this is so bad. Like, uh, man, I. It's not like. Man, I only know one of these five, and probably the the bonus one. But uh, I want to say it start. It also starts. No. Oh, wait. No, he's Lewis.
1: Ron. All
2: right.
1: Uh, so H.
2: Okay, you know before I. I know uh, you Lewis, almost got there. I
1: was. I was, very I, I was like,
2: I thought I was going to start with H, and uh, <laughs> but for the life of me, but I want to say it's like. Haynes or something but I don't, I don't
1: know you're you're there henley henley okay wow eddie Damn. murray and I almost just said his middle okay. name so.
2: if i if i if like if i didn't get eddie murray i'd be so mad but i'm fairly certain it's clarence correct
1: so that's one yeah
2: he's my he's my all-time favorite player so if i didn't get that i would have logged off greg maddox okay so my brother's name is greg and his middle name is alan and for, for like me, when I was thinking about this earlier, uh, the, the name that kept coming in my head was Greg Allen Maddox, but I, that can't be the case just because that's my brother, and I think that's why it was in my head, but that's the answer I'm going with Allen.
1: Correct. It is.
2: <laughs> okay, wow. All right.
1: Maybe that was uh, a thing. There's, some, there's certain first and last name combos that are just yeah classic. Next, Frank Thomas. Okay. I keep looking at the answer sheet and almost saying it.
2: Uh, so... I don't have any idea on this, although I will say this, the, the the first thing that popped into my head was Patrick Ewing, whose middle name is Aloysius, so, and Frank Thomas is a, basically an NBA-sized, uh, slash NFL-sized ba- baseball player, so I have no idea with Frank Thomas, so I'm going to say Aloysius. E. Edward?
1: Yeah, all right, so all right. Uh, two and a half. Okay. Uh, last and maybe the one i would have gotten right i i I definitely knew this at some point i don't know if i would have reached into the punch bowl or not Uh, randy johnson
2: yeah and this is one of those like (sighs) i i don't remember like i I don't one of my favorite non-dodgers almost was almost
1: a dodger almost i I followed that trade rumor um 2004 i think
2: yeah, exactly. exactly. There, there was so much like where Ugh, I, wanted I think to the so point where Arizona's GM was like saying, like saying B. was like stalling or like <laughs> dragging it out. I forget, I forget the thing, but um, Randy Johnson. Um, see, I, I'm trying to think of like I'll just say Richard, but I have no idea.
1: D as in Delta.
2: D. D. Johnson, uh, David.
1: David, it is. So wow. we we'll round you up to three, and then a bonus question: What is Bo Jackson's full legal name?
2: Uh, so he's—I I, I don't know if I'm going to get the, the suffix right, but he's Vincent Edward Jackson, and I think it's Jr.
1: I—I was just given Vincent Edward Jackson, so I will look that up real quick while we uh, while we close things out. So that wh- just a funny side story with this: I was—I got these text messages before yeah. I read the email, and I was really confused. It just kind of, like, <laughs> glanced at my phone and just see Vinceward Edward yeah. Jackson, Frank Edward Thomas. What? <laughs>
2: what, a, what a very odd uh, text to get from Craig just randomly, right? Um, so the reason that is always stuck in my head, um, uh, 89 All-Star game, Bo Jackson sort of coming out party to the world. Uh, everyone knew about him because he won the Heisman, and he was sort of a big deal. But, like, he hit the leadoff home run, and Vince Scully, uh, Ronald Reagan was, like, calling the game in the booth with Vince Scully. They were having a conversation, and then uh, Bo Jackson, like, interrupted things by hitting a rocket home run. And uh, I just remember this. If you watch the highlight, uh, if you get the full highlight with Reagan in there, he's, like, he's like talking to Vince Scully. And then all of a sudden, he goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just has this, like, reaction to it. And then Vince Scully has the great uh, Bo Jackson says Hello. And then Bo Jackson ended up winning the MVP of that game. And um, I just remember, like, I think Vince Scully signed off the broadcast with this or very close to the end. And he said from from uh, Vincent Edward Scully uh, or to, or I forget if he said his name first or what, but it was basically Vincent Edward Scully and Vincent Edward Jackson. That's how I remember <laughs> it. So, so if he was
1: not a junior. He was named after Vince Edwards, an actor.
2: Oh, so there you okay. go.
1: So it was named after events, Edwards, but but not not in the a junior awarding way. So that's that's the episode.
2: Wow! I, uh, the hints. I, I was amazed that I got lucky with the hints. Uh,
1: like, uh, getting Greg Maddox. That was. I, I was. I was secretly rooting for you to change your mind at the last second, just so I could needle you a little bit more. But yeah. I'm glad you got it.
2: I, like I said, I, I told you before we got it. I knew. I knew Vincent. I knew uh, Jackson and, and Murray for sure. I, I thought for sure I was only going to get two of the six, and I ended up getting three. So, pretty happy about that. But yeah, uh, that's it for this week. Uh, there's, no, can't imagine there'll be trades uh, next week, but we'll we'll Who figure knows? out something to talk about. But uh, yeah, uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>